Okay, we just uh, celebrated communion. And in that communion, I, there's always an invitation uh, from Jesus to, to come to me. Come to me. Uh, and through scriptures, you often find Jesus saying, come to me. Come to me, all you who are tired and heavily laden. I will give you rest. Scripture that Robin quoted, being the bread of life, and who who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. And so often we hear Jesus appealing to us to come to him to receive something, receive forgiveness, to receive comfort, to receive encouragement, to receive nourishment, provision. But there's one place in Scripture where Jesus says, Come. And it's not to receive anything from him. It's to prove his deity. And the story that I'd like to share with you this morning is found in Matthew chapter 14. And it's right after Jesus comes down. He, he's, he's fed the 5,000. Uh, which is a miracle. It, it, it points to the fact that he is the creator of the universe. And it says immediately after he had fed the 5,000, he told his disciples to go get in the boat and go to the other side of the sea. And the sea he's referring to is the Sea of Galilee. It's actually not a sea. It's a lake. It's five miles wide. It's about 33 miles long. It, it's fed by the Jordan River at the end of it, the Jordan again, and then it goes into the Dead Sea. But he said, get in the boat and go to the other side. And then it says Jesus went up on a hill, and he was alone, and he prayed. And then we're told that in the fourth watch of the night, and the Romans' guards had four watches. It started at dusk and ended at dawn. And so the fourth watch of the night was basically sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. And the disciples were out on this boat, and they're told that a big storm came, the winds blew, but in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came walking on the water. And what do you think their response was? Well, they were terrified. They thought that maybe he was a ghost, and Jesus said, be at peace, it's me. And then we're told that Peter said to Jesus, well, Lord, if it's you, if it's you, bid me to come to you. Bid me to come to you. So what do you think Jesus said? He said, come. 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 Peter believed the word of God. He believed the word of Christ. And faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. He put faith in Christ's words, come to me. And he walked out into the storm toward Jesus. Now let me ask you a question. Has God called any of you out into a storm? Has he called you to a new job that turned out to be a storm? Has he called you to 
leave some place that you're very familiar with, where you've got friends and family, and come to this city, thinking that it would be a very exciting, you know, even more exciting than Disneyland? Have you been on a storm like that? Did he call you, has he called anybody in this room to marriage? Thinking, oh, as soon as I marry this person, I will be the happiest person, the most blessed man, most blessed woman on the face of this earth. And discover that that marriage was a storm. Has he ever called any of you to become parents? thinking that, oh, well, if I can only have a child, my life will be fulfilled. To only discover that he called you out into a storm. Have any of you ever contemplated adopting a child or have adopted a child, thinking that this will be the most meaningful thing I can do? This child is going to be so appreciative that I have taken them out of an orphanage, a place where no one cares for them like I can care for them? Have you ever done that and discovered that God was calling you to come to him in a storm? There's many, many, many situations we find ourselves in where Jesus has said, come, and we heard him very clearly. Come to me in this city. Come to me and marry that man, that woman. Come to me and have those children. Come to me and adopt that child. Come to me and do this or that. To only find ourselves in a storm. Now what did Peter do? We're told the next thing that Peter looked at the wind. Now he was doing great. He came out on the water going right toward Jesus, but it said Peter looked at the wind. And then he became frightened. He became frightened. And he started to sink. And immediately he cried out, Lord, save me. Now this is the shortest prayer recorded in Scripture. It's, almost, it's also the most efficacious prayer recorded in Scripture. Lord, save me. It's in the liturgy of, of the Orthodox and the Catholic Church. It's, it's amplified and says, Jesus, have mercy on me. Save me. And then we're told immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, took him, and they got into the boat. Have you, on that storm yourself, have I, myself, have you been in a storm of a new city and looked at the wind and become fearful? Have you walked in a storm of marriage and took and looked at the wind and became fearful? Have you become a parent and become very, very fearful of what may happen to your children? Or, or your inability to care for them and love them. You know, you thought you were going to be patient with them. You find yourself yelling at them. 
Have you found yourself so fearful in a storm that you've made a quick and rash and very stupid decision? You know what happens when we become fearful? Our eyes go blind, our ears go deaf, our mind goes crazy. Have you ever found yourself in that situation? Okay, when you and I find ourselves in the middle of a storm and we find ourselves becoming fearful, what is the first thing we usually do? Well, we usually kind of analyze the situation and try to figure out what the next step is. And then the next thing we usually do is try to look at our resources. What do we have available what is at our fingertips? What is our disposal to bring a little peace in the midst of this storm? And what's the next thing we often do? Well, we'll call our friends and seek help from them to make it through this storm. And then what is another thing we often do? Don't we often kind of Question God, why? Why did you? Why all these winds? Why all these waves? Why did you call me out on this storm? What did Peter do? Peter did not. Peter did not analyze the situation. Peter did not look around and see what kind of assets or resources he had available to him. Peter did not turn around to the boat and ask his friends for help. Peter only saw two options, life or death. Life or death. Jesus was the symbol of life. Jesus was the embodiment of life. Jesus was the giver of life. Jesus called him to come to him. Peter, like all of us, will see some winds and doubt for a moment. But the second he did, the second he became fearful, he came to Jesus. So, brothers and sisters, why... Was that such an easy decision for Peter and a difficult decision for us? Why do we often, so often, go to other sources before we come to him? In fact, often he is our last resort. After we have weighed the situation, after we have taken stock of the possibilities and of our assets and of our resources, after we have consulted our friends, after we have done almost everything we can do, then what do we usually do? Jesus, save me. Lord, save me. And it's very interesting. We don't typically pray, Lord, save this job, or even save this marriage, or even save my parenting, or save my children. We typically pray, Lord, save me. Because if you don't save me, I don't have a chance at my job. I don't have a chance at my marriage. I don't have a chance with my children. I don't have a chance 
in this storm unless you save me. Save me. Now, why was it so easy for Peter to make that choice? Well, you remember the command of Jesus, the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And part of that is trusting him with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, all our mind. And Jesus said, he who does not forsake mother and father, brother and sister, wife and children, son and daughter, cannot be my disciple. But you know what, brothers and sisters? Peter was Christ's disciple. And he, in fact, had done that. He had left mother and father. He had left his wife and children. He had left his boat. He had left his, his business. He had left his friends, his associates, to follow Jesus. But when, what did he leave? He basically left those things that he secured himself thing in, those things that he found his identity in. All that which he looked to for security, he had forsaken to follow Jesus. So Peter became basically the safest man in the world at this point because when he, started, when he took his eyes off the Lord and started to sink, he saw two options. Christ, my security, or me, and it was no choice. The danger that you and I are all in is that we have secured ourselves in our jobs, where we live, in our families, in our friends. And all those things, brothers and sisters, are very good. Let's thank the Lord for our jobs. Let's thank the Lord for our families, for our wives, for our husbands, for our children, for our friends. But in this world, everything moves and everything breaks. But Jesus, it all goes away. You live, live long enough, you'll see your spouse die. You live even longer, you'll see your children die. You live even longer than that, you'll see all your friends die. Everything moves, everything breaks. But Jesus. So are you in a storm right now in your life? A storm in your work, a storm in your marriage, a storm in your family? storm with your health listen if you're not in the storm right now just wait because there's one coming around the mountain it's a promise of scripture and God keeps his word John 16 you know I mean oh Jesus he's saying you know in this world you will have trouble he didn't say in this world you might have trouble. He said in this world you will have trouble. Say that. We will have trouble. We will have trouble. We do have trouble. But he says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And as Peter put his trust 
in the word of God, where Jesus said, come to me, and was able to do the supernatural, walk on the water. Jesus says to each of us today, come. Come to me. And he says, in the world you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. Can we believe that? Can we trust in the fact that he has overcome the world? Can we put our foot down on that? We can. And he wants us to do that as soon as the trouble comes, as soon as we see the waves, before we start going to all these other scenarios of what am I going to do in this situation? What resources do I have? Who can I contact? What can I do? And then finally, when we get to the end of our rope, we say, Lord, save me. He wants us to start at the very beginning of the troubles. Lord, save me. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, that's the word of God. Do you believe that? Well, I just did something a couple of hours ago without Jesus. But you know what he calls that? He calls that nothing. <laughs> he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And Jesus said of himself, apart from my Father, I can do nothing. The only difference between Jesus and us is he never tried to do anything apart from his Father. He lived a life of total dependence upon the Father 24-7 for 33 years. And that's what he's calling us today is to come and depend on him 24-7 every day of our life. When you wake up in the morning, the first thought is, Jesus, I need you to show up this morning or I'm going to be in the flesh today. Lord Jesus, you know, I don't have anything for my wife. Would you love her through me? Jesus, I don't have anything for my husband. <laughs> Would you love him through me, even though he doesn't listen to me? Jesus, I don't really have what my children need. Will you minister to them? Will you nurture them through me? Jesus, I don't have what my employer needs. I can't think of those things. I'm not creative, and I'm head of the creative department. Jesus, would you create through me? These are very simple requests, but it acknowledges, and when we do this, we acknowledge that apart from Jesus, apart from you, Jesus, we can do nothing that you call anything. We can do nothing that you call anything. So Jesus says, and we talk about it a lot, abide in me. And to abide in him truly is to trust him with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, and all our mind, and to have no other gods before him. And what does it mean to have no other gods before him? Those things that we look to for peace, rest, truth, life, security, and solace. That's what we make our gods. Those things that you and I seek peace from. Security, solace. There's only one place to go for those kind of foundations, and that's Christ. So I'd like to close this communion message with a prayer for each of us. That we would truly ask Christ to give us the grace to come to him 
on the water in the midst of the storms of our life, which we will face every day. So if you bow your heads. Jesus, it's a very simple story. We can all see ourselves in Peter and that we become fearful. But what far too often we do not see in ourselves is Peter's response. Too often, Father, I have placed myself and people and things before you. And I have trusted in people and things more than I've trusted in you. I have so often spent my life's energy in trying to save my life by worry, by trying to figure out the solution. When in the process of trying to save my life through worry and anxiety and fear, I have in fact lost it. I've lost your presence in the present. I confess my misdirected affections for the things of this world. You've told me in your word that friendships with this world is, makes ourselves an enemy of you. Father, we thank you for this world. We thank you for all that you've given us. We thank you for our breath and life today. We thank you for our spouses. We thank you for our health, for our jobs. But Father, give us the grace to give our heart to you without reservation, that we would not be spoiled or become dependent upon anything save you and you alone. And as Peter was able to forsake mother, father, and brother and sister, and wife and children, son and daughter, to make you his king. Father, thank you that you don't ask us to put these things away, but that you ask us to just give your heart, our hearts to you without reservation. And then we can truly enjoy all those who you have given to us into our care. Father, that we would pray that our every thought would be of you, our every longing would be for you, that your will would be what our hearts desire. We would pray that every word would be your praise and every work would be to your glory, that we would truly desire you and your will above all else. We would obey your voice and abide in your word. And we would deny ourselves daily and embrace your perfect will. That truly, Lord, you would give us the grace to love you, trust you, with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our mind, and that we would abide in your love. And Father, that your love and that your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your goodness and faithfulness and meekness and self-control, your very life, would flow through us so men may know that you have sent him, your son, and loved us as you have loved him. And Father, we pray for our wives and our children and our families 
that they would have the benefit of you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living through us, ministering to them, and caring for them. Give us the grace, Father, this day, that when we take our eyes off you and place it on the storm, that we will immediately cry, Lord, save me, and bring us back into your arms. And we make this prayer in your son's name. Amen.